Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Welcome everybody. Great to have you in church. If you're new, my name is Miles. I'm the executive pastor and I get the great honour really to pastor the eight pastors Eight, we're counting, we're growing. The eight pastors that we have here at our Hills location. What an amazing group of pastors we have. And so I get to challenge them, make sure they're doing well with their relationship with God and their marriage and uh, keeping them healthy, giving them some time off, uh, keeping them fresh and also bringing vision for our church and and direction as God leads us. So uh, you're in a great place this morning. We're honoured that you are joining us and we're in a series talking about relationships. It's not a dating uh, sermon. Uh, It's not about how to improve your marriage. Uh, This comes from the heart of the Father uh, who is all about relationships. That's actually why we're created. So let's start with our mission statement. At Elevation, we're all about creating environments that inspire intimacy with Christ. Let everything we do and say be about Christ. Relationship with others, that's why we're doing this series, and then ultimately influence in the world. How great, Sanjeev, the influence of our missions uh, ministry uh, in our church, reaching out to our neighbours in Lismore. Um, Also, we sent $20,000 as a church in June to Ukraine to support an INC church in Kiev. They used those funds to launch a feeding program uh, to help those who are suffering. And I just love that we're a church that lives beyond ourselves to make an impact in our Hills community, in our nation and the world. So that's uh, great to hear the influence that we're doing. Relationships um, is sort of the centre of our mission statement. And that's what we're talking about today. In fact, when, when God created man, it was all good, right? Until he said, hang on, it's not good. It's the only time that he said something wasn't good. Um, and what wasn't good about it? Come on, you guys know what wasn't good when he created man? It wasn't that he was ugly or had B.O. or uh, that he had hair coming out of his ears or he didn't listen uh, or wasn't great at communicating. What was the problem with man? Adam, what was the problem? We didn't want to be alone. It's not good that man be alone. And that's why uh, we're created in His image to have a relationship with each other and with God. Um, but the challenge is um, relationships can be difficult. Um, because people aren't always easy to have relationships with. Does anybody know someone that's difficult to love? They're just they're hard work at the moment. They're difficult to love. If you haven't got your hand up, maybe you're the one that's being difficult to love. But let's face it, we, we have bad days. We get moody and cranky, you know, bad hair days. Uh, there may be seasons in life that are just challenging and difficult. And this puts pressure and strain on relationships. But what I want to explain from Scripture today is that is normal. Scripture doesn't tell us to have these perfect, uh, carefree 
problem-free, conflict-free relationships. In fact, all of Scripture is these crazy relationships going on uh, that God uses to sanctify us, to grow us, uh, to ultimately be who He is by showing love and grace to others. And so we're going to talk about how it's actually normal to have messy, challenging relationships. And God works wonderfully in those messy situations. And that's why my theme today is we need a little grace. We need a little more grace. Seems like there's a lot going on in people's lives, in our Hills location, just a lot of a lot going on in so many families. And uh, there's just, when you look at life, it's a broken world. We need grace to support and love each other so we can get through whatever we're facing. Can I hear an amen? Uh, It's just a time I believe that we need, I want this to be a place where no matter what you're going through, you're doubting your faith. You're, you're, you're just in a, lost in a sea of doubt and hurt and regret. You're, you're, you're confused. Uh, you, you don't feel worthy. I want this to be a place you can boldly come because you know you're going to be accepted and loved for who you are. That, that you're going to be um, valued and cared for, not based on what you do, but based on being a child of God. And I, I want this to be a place everyone's welcome, even in our bad days, that, that you might just struggle to walk through those doors. You may not even be able to have a conversation or raise your hands. That's okay. This is a safe place where you're going to be loved. We're not going to judge. We're going to show you grace. We're going to carry you times when you need to be on the stretcher and people are going to carry the stretcher. Now, there'll be other times you better carry the stretcher because someone else will be on the stretcher. But I want this to be a place where you know you can come and just be loved on, not, not criticised, not judged. No, where, where were you? Well, just, this is a place you can come to be healed and whole. I, I find it funny how we drive into the wreckers each time we come to church, Sanjeev, and there's all these broken cars. I remember a visitor saying, this church must be on fire. There's cars everywhere. There's so many people. And, and, but they're all broken. So they're all broke because uh, they've all got broken cars. I'm like, sort of. Honestly, we're all broken, aren't we? I'm broken. We're all broken. And so I'd be reminded when I come through the wreckers, but the goal isn't to stay broken. We we want to uh, be healed and and made whole through the power of Jesus so we can help others. So let's look at some uh, of these uh, messes. Even Jesus, the Son of God and His family had messes in their relationship. Let's pick a couple of these. He's 12 years old. Joseph had one job to get him to 33, so he, 30 so he could start his ministry. Joseph loses Jesus, loses him. He's gone. 12 years old, they make the annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem, some 100 kilometres. It's a three-day trip. The first day on their way back from Jerusalem, they're looking around. I thought you had him. That's what Bonnie says. I thought, I told you, I thought you had him. That's what I say to Bonnie. I say, I thought you had them. And then she says, I told you. Did you not read the text? 
Text? What text? I didn't know he the text. No, I didn't. I thought you had him. No, I thought you had him. Uh, don't look at me judging. Look, I've five kids. It's easy to lose one or two from time to time, right? But, but you can't lose the Son of God. And so finally they go back to Jerusalem. They find Jesus. They're not happy. I mean, they're mad. They're, imagine being mad with the Son of God. He's perfect, you know, does all his homework, cleans his bedroom. He's just never needs to, you know. I always wondered how to bath baby Jesus when he would just float on the water. You'd push him down, he'd pop back up again. And in my mind, is crazy. So Luke 2.48, his mother said, young man, she's about to get mad at him. She's like gonna dress him down. Young man, you know, when you say young man, that means you're upset. Young man, why have you done this to us? Like, like, you know, anyway, I'll, I'll move on. As, as parents, you know, it's all about us, but we don't often think about the kid. Anyway, it's not a parenting class. Uh, your father and I have been half out of our minds looking for you. They're mad. Jesus is grounded. I'm taking the phone. No, no more social media. Banned from Netflix. You're in your bedroom. Uh, imagine trying to discipline Jesus. He kind of knows everything. And, and you're trying to have an argument with him, yet he knows all truth. And anyway, it'd, it'd be very difficult, I think. But you see here, there's tension, that there's struggling, that there's mess, that there's, there, there's angst, that there's these attitudes. We sometimes think that the Bible, everyone's perfect. Even Jesus' family had issues. Or how about when he started his ministry? He tells the family, I've got a career. I'm, I'm, I'm going this way. I'm, I'm going to do, do this ministry thing. And when his family heard what was happening in Mark 3.21, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. The family tried to stop Jesus following his career path. Isn't that crazy? Uh, we, you know, we don't think that there was all this tension and conflict and there was a lot of reasons why the family didn't want Jesus to go down this path. They're thinking it was a, a mistake. Uh, one of the problems uh, Mary had was he wasn't eating enough. Isn't that funny? Parents, mothers especially, you look skinny, Miles. Are you eating enough? And so that she was worried he wouldn't stop. He was working all day, preaching and healing people, didn't have time. You can read the scripture. She says, I'm worried about you not eating enough. Um, for Joseph, there was no financial stability. Because in Jewish culture, you'll take on your um, job or the career of your parents, which was a carpenter to run the family business. So he abandoned that and he's heading off on some crazy preaching, itinerant preacher gig that, that they didn't understand at the day. But the biggest problem was it was in conflict or it was in opposition to the religious leaders. They weren't happy with what Jesus was doing, preaching this new message. And so in Jerusalem, you always followed the religious leaders. They had a very strong influence on the community. And all of a sudden, he's opposing uh, these religious leaders and not doing this ministry in the synagogue. He's out there in the, fa in the houses and the byways and the highways. So there's this massive tension. And the family comes together and says, enough's enough. You're not going to do it anymore. In fact, in John 7, 5, even his brothers didn't believe in him. They didn't believe he was the Messiah, the Son of God. So you think you've got challenges when you decide to do a, uh, a beauty course <laughs> or, you, or you decide to, uh, you know, you, you'll go out on your own to be an entrepreneur or, you know, you want to be an artist. You think you've got challenges explaining to your family? This was really difficult for Jesus and the family. 
And there was this constant sort of uh, real angst in the beginning of his ministry. And so messes in relationship are quite normal in Scripture. Every great man and woman of God, if you look through all the stories, there's these challenges. But here's what I love. Our God works all things out for good, the Bible says. So he's able to navigate and work through these messes to bring glory to him. Um, One of the constant family feuds in our house is food. Four boys, it's, it's like, it's, it's warfare, dinner time, to get enough. And, and, and Bonnie always cooks over and above, but still you would think that there's no food in the fridge. Inflation's taken off and there's no food anywhere that we're going to die. So they're just uh, doubling up their food intake. Like the other day, we had sushi. Now, if you're a parent, sushi's good because all you do is you put the ingredients out and you make them do all the work. Right? Nodding parents, yeah, it's great. You get your rice and your little, little uh, uh, chicken and you, you, know, you get your avocado and, and you get your thing and then they make it all. So it just reduces the workload. It's a very important parenting tip. And so we're having sushi and they're rolling them up. Well, they're supposed to be that big, right, the rolls. These are like this. <laughs> anyway, they're making all the sushi and they're eating. It's a great night. We're all making fun and laughing and eating and having sushi together. Well, little Jet, he's the baby. He's 13. He's trying to bulk up. But he's kind of tiny, and, and, and so he's making extra. So he made extra uh, for lunch the next day, and he puts it in his little container and, and puts it in the fridge. Well, Jaden, he's the eldest, he's the 21 football star from America that had a scholarship. And he's American and he's big and I'm strong and I'm the alpha male. And so he comes home after, um, he doesn't talk like that, but he kind of acts like that. He comes home from working out and it's 10 at night or something, he opens the fridge, what does he see? You know where this is going, don't you? Sushi, he thinks it's from dinner. You know, it's leftovers, right? It was always leftovers. Woofs down that sushi. Jet gets up in the morning at seven to, to go to school. Where's my sushi? It's just mayhem. Jaden, why'd you eat his sushi? I didn't know it was his sushi. No one had his name on the sushi. And I made that sushi and it's supposed to be for Jet. Now we've got no lunch for him because he was going to take that and you can't send a kid to school without lunch because I'm a pastor and the parent teachers will talk and I'll lose my discount (laughs) at the Christian school. (laughs) Now we're getting really real, aren't we? So here's the summary. Families, conflict are inevitable. We all have this selfish sin nature. But healthy families and healthy churches provide a safe place where every member can express their feelings and opinions without being judged. Families don't have to agree on everything. In fact, sometimes the absence of conflict is a sign, uh, not a sign of health. Uh, God designed the family to be a place where every member feels loved, valued, differences are acknowledged and respected, and where inevitable conflicts are resolved. It's actually through these uh, relational mistakes we can learn humility and kindness and patience and be better. I called upon a couple of uh, counsellors to help unpack making mistakes and making messes in relationships to help us understand this point. Take a look at the screen. 
Hey everybody, great to see you today. I'm with a beautiful couple, Rochelle and Sean. They've been part of Elevation for two and a half years. Rochelle has a master's, woohoo, a master's, uh, very smart that means, uh, in counseling. And Sean has a bachelor in yes, social yeah. work. Um, what I love about this couple is a year and a half ago, they started their own counseling business called Raising Legends. Now, where did we get the name Raising Legends from, Rochelle? Where'd that come from? Tell us <laughs> well, the story. Actually, I'd been thinking about doing this business for a really long time and um, that I was always stuck at the name and um, it was actually in the middle of COVID. And at this particular day, I opened up, it was Father's Day and there was this box with this badge on the top of it that says Raising Legends. Here's to the one Raising Legends. And as soon as I saw that name, it was almost like if there were an audible voice of the Lord, it was like this moment like, oh, that's it. I have to thank Elevation. Yes, I did ask I permission to yeah. use the name. Um, full disclosure, I did ask permission and you guys were gracious enough to share. We, uh, at our Father's Day, we had Raising Legends was the title and we had socks with Raising Legends <laughs> yes. on them. We gave them all the dads. Well, you're now the CEO and uh, nine employees, something Yeah, like that. Oh, in our team, yeah. It's just expanding and growing. But today yeah. specifically, we want to talk about relationships. Why is it important that we normalize making mistakes in relationships. Humans are extremely pain averse. Our brain actually rewards us with dopamine every time we're able to kind of avoid and minimize pain. When we do that, we actually um, take away the opportunity from ourselves to actually evolve and grow because research shows that the best way that a human learns is through pain that helps us innovate. If we create an environment where mistakes are to be avoided at all costs, then we actually are, are cutting off the opportunity for us to actually learn. That's such a massive truth. The thought, you know, you can't have conflict, you, 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 you know, you can't make a mistake. Uh, robs us, right? Yet so often we don't want to go into the mistakes, Sean, because of the, the, the carnage that it can cause. How do you create a safe place in a relationship where mistakes are okay? The, the key thing is you, you want to really be creating a space where we, we, we're not giving room for shame. Uh, we're not giving room for fear to manifest and to keep happening in our relationships. So, because when, when we're in this place of shame and fear, we, we hide. When we're creating a safe space where you're normalizing making mistakes, your mistakes are not your identity. Uh, it's a choice in action. I am not going to withdraw my love, my affection. We're both in this journey of learning. And when we create an environment, you know, where, where we've got a goal we're working towards. We, in our home, we have a mantra that you are welcome to make mistakes, to have a go and come up short. What we do ask is that you fix your mistake quickly you own your mess quickly. If you're not making a mess, you're not making much at all. But if you make a mess and you fix it quickly, that means you showed up and you owned what was yours and that gets celebrated more than the perfection. Okay, let's get practical. I'm at work, I get caught up. I'm supposed to be home six for dinner mm -hmm. and something happens, I, I, I forget, I don't let Bonnie know. Pulling in the driveway, 6.30. Bonnie's fuming, the kids are waiting, I'm oblivious, 
there's a mistake, there's a miss. What, what, what happens next? How does that owning the mistake transpire <laughs> without being punched or something thrown at you? I'm going to talk to this one, yeah. honey, because I own this one in our house. I found out recently that I'm not neurotypical. I have ADD and time management is really hard for me. So in this example, the expectation was that you're going to be there at, at, at six o'clock and you turned up at 6.30. And Sean goes, it's 6.30. I know in that moment, I have made a mess. It's my responsibility to own that and, and not fight about all the reasons why. My job is to link in with how I have made someone else feel. It's being quick to surrender. I'm so sorry. I'm working on it. Sorry for letting you down. Um, you're important to me and today I didn't make you feel important. Sean, is there a way you make the mess known you can say hey it's 6 30 honey or you can say it's 6 yeah. there's a difference right yeah. how do you then make yeah. the other person aware of the mistake absolutely each person is responsible for managing managing yourself and so even in a place of where i'm really upset right now the goal is not about being right or wrong the goal is connection in your relationship mm. i have just as much responsibility um in that fixing the mess as rochelle does we've learned through the bible forgiveness is just as powerful and just as essential and part of this process as the person that's apologizing. My job is to be quick to forgive, quick to hear and manage what's going on for me. I cannot use my what's going on for me as a, as a tool of punishment. If she's fixing a mess, my job is to accept that and to receive that. And anything else, well, that's for me to manage and maybe continue to talk through, but that the fixing mess is a two person process not you made a mess that's your job it's right. it's two people happening yeah it's almost like couples are in a, a stalemate you love me first no no you love me first and then i'll be the kind of person that i want to be who's gonna love first here and raising legends we really we we have hope for a future where people mm. will fight to love first not be first i have to become the person I want to be in a relationship, regardless of who's in front of me. When we're not leaning into who we're meant to be, we're running around going, I just want to find easier people to love. And that is such a selfish stance in your, in your mindset. The end of the day, when I'm standing in, in front of God, he's going to ask me, what did I do with what he put in my hand? Who did I rise up to be when he put his grace on me? And so, in that moment where I'm showing up with making a mess or Sean's showing up and saying, hey, you made a mess with me, we own who we are and we don't excuse our behaviours because of what the other one did. Yeah, I love that concept that uh, making a mess makes us better, grows us to be more like Christ. It's not easy. Um, it's hard, um, but hard is not wrong. Uh, hard is often right. And I love the concept. We've got to learn to love first. Thank you so much, guys, for your time today. You're absolute legends. <laughs> and we pray and we believe God for the best for you and to see your, your business flourish and help so many people. God bless you. Awesome. Right. Thanks. Thank you. So the Apostle Paul, he has some instructions for us today before we leave. I'm not going to let you off the hook. We're going to get to work in the next 10 minutes and apply some of the learnings in Scripture into our relationships. I'll give you the context. Paul and Barnabas are on a mission trip and they're preaching the gospel. You couldn't get anything more nobler. Yet midway through, they have a Barney, a big fight. They have a split. 
Let's pick up the story. Acts 15, verse 39. Barnabas wanted to take John along. John nicknamed Mark. But Paul wouldn't have him. He wasn't about to take along a quitter who, as the going got tough, had jumped ship on them previously. And tempers flared and they ended up going their separate ways. I just laugh at this. We've got these model uh, leaders of the new church. Jesus just birthed the, the, the church. It was called the Way in those days. It was the, the Christian church. And here we got the two main players are having a big fight and they go their own way. It's like, okay, um, okay, okay. who was right? Um, was Paul right or was Barnabas right? So the backstory is John Mark was, was uh, sort of gave up on a previous mission trip and uh, quit. And so Paul's like, no, I'm, I'm not, not having this anymore. And they, um, he was set in his ways. But Barnabas, he was a bit, bit of a softy, a bit of an encourager. Uh, and so he wanted to give him a second chance. The Bible doesn't say who's right or wrong. But it's interesting, 15 years later, Paul wrote about relationships. And here's these three points that we're going to unpack together. Number one, your words should build up. In a relationship, your words should be building up, not pulling down. So we'll pick up the verse in Ephesians 4. There's four verses here we're going to unpack together and learn how to apply into our relationships. Verse 29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for what? Building others up according to their needs. So it may benefit those who listen. Your words should build others up. When our words are negative and critical and sarcastic and, 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 and there's a bite and an edge to them, they're not building people up. We have a saying in our church, if you don't have something, in our, in our house, sorry, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say it at all. We want to be a church where we build people up. There is far too much going on in life to tear people down. We don't need to be torn down in a, in a loving community uh, at church. This is a place where we encourage and we build people up. In fact, Paul just doesn't leave it there. He goes on to say in verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Did you know that you can grieve the Holy Spirit? And Paul wrote, the grieving of the Holy Spirit can come after if you're not building people up because there's power in our words. So as we are a church really seeking the Holy Spirit to move in our services, our life groups, our kids ministry, our youth ministry, it's important that our talk is wholesome and building up. We don't want to do anything to grieve the Holy Spirit moving. Isn't that fascinating that Paul wrote that we can grieve the Holy Spirit just after he had said to build people up. That's why it's so important that our words edify, that they're not negative, judgmental or overly critical. What about your words today in your relationships? Are your words building people up? That's, that's, that's what Paul says, build people up. Number one, build people up. Next, he says in verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage and what? And, and anger, 
brawling and slander. Luckily, we don't have too much brawling going on here in church. Uh, but, but the heart behind this was any uh, anger, uh, any form of, of malice. And so I don't, Paul's a bit of a hothead. Maybe he's talking from experience. I don't know. But bitterness is a resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation. And we have to be, have a heart to restore, to reconcile, even if we're wronged, even if we're in the right. Our goal isn't to be right. Our goal is reconciliation. Now, anger is not a sin, but anger can lead to sin. And so Paul tells us to deal with anger immediately in, in a way that builds relationships up rather than destroys them. He actually says, don't let the sun go down in a couple of verses earlier in verse 26, while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. The, the Greek word for foothold is a room or a place, meaning we would never give Satan a room in our house. But when you have anger that's unresolved, you're giving the enemy a room in your heart. And so Paul is saying, deal with your anger. Work it out. Get over it. Release them. Forgive them. And maybe today you're still hanging on to some anger. Maybe there's an edge when you think of someone, you start breathing. Or you see someone, you, 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 your body tenses. I pray by the Spirit of God, you would find the courage to forgive, to, to release, not just for their sake, but, but for yours. Number one, our words build up. Number two, we don't stay angry. And the third thought from the Apostle Paul is found in verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. The third thought is forgiveness sets us free. We build up, we don't stay angry and we forgive. We show the same kindness and compassion to others that God showed to us. You see, our God in heaven, He holds back His anger, though we provoke Him. He made the first move to forgive us before we moved towards Him. God forgave us knowing we'll sin again. God requires no probationary period to receive His forgiveness. If God offers all of this forgiveness to us, how much more should we show it to others? Maybe today there's some unforgiveness in your heart. Release it today. Go to God today. Get in a life group. Get some prayer. Seek God. Get some help so you can release any of that unforgiveness that may be in your heart. Have you ever heard the term for Christ's sake? It's kind of a swear word. You know, for Christ's sake, people would say that. That, that words came from the King James Version which came from Ephesians 4.32. Even uh, as God, for Christ's sake, that's where it came from, hath forgiven you, the King James Version. For the sake of Christ, for the sake of Christ and what He did on the cross to save mankind, we, we forgive others. I'll close with this quote from Spurgeon. Get a hold of that grand truth and hold it. Though all the devils in hell roar at thee, grasp it as with a hand of steel, grip it as for life. For God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven me.
Father, we pray today that we would learn from Your Holy Scriptures. Relationships matter. We want our words to build up. We don't want to stay angry and we want to forgive quickly. We want to be a church where grace is shown. We don't know what's going on inside of people's lives. We don't know what they're going through. So help us to be a place where people are loved and welcomed and accepted, where grace is offered to help restore and bring healing to people. I pray for the relationships in our church, they would grow. I pray for families and marriages to be strengthened. Relationships with children and grandchildren. I pray for relationships with each other. Father, I pray that we would heed Your Word today. It's not about being right. It's about being Christ-like. And I just pray for those who may be hurting today. There may be some offence. There may be anger. There may be unforgiveness. That There's been injustices done. It's not right. I get it. I get it. It's not right. It's not fair. Abuse or, or, or any domestic violence or look, get out of those situations. I, I, I get it. But let God come in and free you so you can forgive and release and not harbour that hurt that can hold you down. Father, we love Your Word. We receive Your Word today. Give us the courage to follow it. Maybe there's some of you today and you need God to move in your relationships. Maybe there's a relationship that just seems untenable. It just seems hopeless. You know what? We serve a God who can do anything. We serve a God who's almighty and all powerful. And just like He can heal our bodies, He can restore relationships. I want you to think about that relationship in your life. And we're going to call on heaven and we're going to pray for a move of God right here, right now to restore to, to bring back, to reconcile what, 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 whatever, whatever that situation is so that you can live a life whole, healthy. You can live a life of freedom. You can live a life to be all that God has called you to be. Father, I pray over every person, whatever relationship it might be that's holding them back, I pray the Spirit of God, the power of God, to move and, and, and forgive and heal and make whole. I pray for relationships with children. I pray for restoration. For all the prodigal sons and daughters out there, we pray for them to come home. Just like in Scripture where the father looked down that street and watched and waited patiently. Lord, I pray that we would have that same patience and grace knowing that you're, you're looking down that street with us. These are your children and we trust you in it. Father, I pray for a great move of God in healthy whole relationships. I pray for life groups to be birthed in this place. And finally, I want to pray for the greatest relationship of all, and that's one with God through Jesus Christ. And maybe you're not a Christian today. Maybe you don't know about this whole God and Bible thing. Well, 
God wants a relationship with you. That's where it all came from. That's why He sent Jesus Christ to live a perfect life. He died and rose again to forgive your sins, not just for this life, but for eternity. Because our future, wherever we live in heaven or hell, in real places, there is, there is a hell, there is a heaven, determines on what we do with Jesus and the relationship we have with Him. And today's your day to say yes to Jesus, to surrender, to make Him the Lord of your life. If that's you with eyes closed and heads bowed, just raise your hand so I can recognise that decision this morning, that you want to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the greatest, the all-powerful. And He wants a relationship with you. Just raise your hand wherever you are. And I'll pray for you to be saved, to be, to be made whole. Church, let's all pray out loud together. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a Saviour. Forgive me. Save me. Be my Lord. And help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Can we all celebrate and give some honour to our God in this place?